You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil Welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. This week we are discussing The Two Towers, Book 4, Chapter 8, The Stairs of Kirith Ungol. I'm Caitlin, and quite literally, fuck this time change. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on, what time it is, what time it's supposed to be, what day of the week it is, who you people are, I don't know. Well, I'm Rachel. That's who I am. <laughs> I'm tired. It was already dark by the time I got out of work. Yeah, I hate that a lot. It sucks. And I'm Emmy. Um, and I just got back from Memphis, Tennessee, where I was at the Young Adult Library Services Association's annual symposium, which means I met a lot of really cool people and I got a lot of really cool books. So that was awesome. Also, there was no snow in Tennessee, which was better than Chicago. It, is th there's snow where you are now? Not anymore, but there was when I left. There was five inches. It snowed Jeez. on Halloween. Yep. For like 48 hours. This is why I live in the temperate area of Canada. We get rain. I oh, mean, don't worry. We get it. that too. It's just... Uh, we've, we've just gotten screwed by our destroying of the planet. Yep. It's fair. I mean, we also get windstorms, which really suck. Yeah, they don't sound good. All right, so this week with our chapter, The Stairs of Kirith Ungol, the characters for that chapter are Frodo, our hero, obviously, Sam, our hero wouldn't have gotten very far without him, and we've got Smeagolem, the hero of his own story. We get a brief glimpse of the Witch King of Angmar, the Lord of the Nazgul, the Black Captain. He stabbed Frodo one time and has for some reason downgraded... The animal he's riding, but whatever. <laughs> and then we get mentions of Galadriel, who gave Frodo a very important gift, and Faramir, who gave Frodo a less important gift. But both gifts are mentioned in this chapter. Characters from Legend that are mentioned, or from a previous episode of this podcast, Baron, the Disney princess, he had a Silmaril one time, and Erendil, he has the Silmaril now, and is a star? Yes. <laughs> Something like that. Either he is the star or he holds the star. It's all about the same thing. Or he's literally an elf riding across the sky in, in a boat. Yep. I don't know how those types of things work in Middle Earth. Does anyone really? I should say in Arda. Uh, I presume Tolkien, J.R.R. professor, has an idea, but he's gone from this world, so we can't ask him. Yet. That was a bit of a downer, sorry. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Happy dismal season, everyone. We're going to get gloomy. <laughs> All right. Um, so our short summary, 
The hobbitses and Gollum reach the stairs and begin to climb up. But first, Frodo tries to make a run for it. Yep. Like a dog trying to steal some freedom. I mean, he the description is more like a zombie. Like a zombie trying to snatch some brains. <laughs> oh, I really thought you were going to keep it exactly the same. Like a zombie trying to steal some freedom. I was about to be like, yep, yeah, that makes so much sense. That's it. That's the that's the chapter. I mean, problem is like, if you're going with the dog thing, it's like the dog actually like wants to go inside. The dog has realized it's very scary outside. And Yeah. I get that. But like, literally the description is he put his arms out in front of him and his head is lolling to the side. And I'm like, Brains. I've played that video game. <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to kill that character. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's very thematic for post-Halloween, I guess. Long summary. Gollum uh, pulls Frodo along past the crossroads, which, once again, acts as both a literal and metaphorical border. Uh, at this point, they've crossed into, you know, miserable land, and the terrain uh, is very quickly changing to be super ominous. Uh, but also Frodo and Sam uh, immediately have heavy hearts and Frodo can start to feel a very real weight from the ring around his neck. Uh, at one point, Frodo looks up and now sees Minas Morgul, the city of the ring rays. It's set back in a valley and placed atop a hilly area. And it's glowing, but not like Minas Ethel used to do with the moon forever ago. It was like all moon glow city and now it's just like creepy pale corpse light city because zombies. Um. <laughs> also, there. I, I mean, like Frodo is the only zombie in this chapter. Let's be clear. Yes, but there are lots of creepy people. Yes. Um. Yeah. Also, there are like black, empty window holes that are creepy and look like you know, just like eyes watching. And it makes me think of um Magritte painting where there's somewhere like in the background there's like a hill that's just got these like black circles in it that are just like cave chasm things and they're extremely disturbing because you can't stare away and it's very uncanny i don't know that one yeah um i'm trying to look it up right now but i hang on oh my no, god i just it. did look it up no i totally understand exactly what you're talking about also my god what weird weird art yeah once upon a time i went to the mcgreet exhibition at the art institute and had a mental breakdown <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time some trippy, <laughs> trippy stuff yeah. Um, so anyway, the top of the tower uh, revolves slowly back and forth. Uh, it's like a, a lookout, you know, keeping eye out. But uh, from how it's described as revolving, I pictured it like it's a tourist observation deck. <laughs> Just <laughs> plopped on top. It's, you know, the CN Tower or something. <laughs> Maybe that's like what it was originally and they've repurposed it. <laughs> Yes, In this Ethel. part of Minas Ethel, you, know, you get this view of Mordor. <laughs> One that is where the Dark Lord used to live, but we have definitely defeated him. To but, this side, you can see South Gondor. Put twenty-five cents into the uh, binoculars if you want to see the Tower of Baradur. <laughs> <laughs> but our tourists on the other side uh, stare for a while, uh, with Gollum actually the first to recover and start to drag them along again. They come to a white bridge where the road crosses the stream in the valley and heads up to Minas Morgul. And there are also a bunch of super creepy white flowers that smell rotten. Charming. Yeah. We're not given a name for them, so I didn't try to look up, like, if these are magic flowers or, like, representative of, I don't know, some swamp flower, but... I feel like we did look them up recently or something. These ones? 
Or maybe I just, when I was reading about the valley last time we recorded, maybe I just... Uh, <laughs> Google Tolkien rotten white flowers. You just get the other white flowers. Unless it's a corrupted version of symbol mean. Symbolmine? It's got the Symbolmina. Symbolmina. Something to that effect, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's got the E with the dot, so it's got to be something. But but it, there's also the Eleanor flowers from, mm -hmm. which are in Florian. Florian, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. For all of Tolkien's excess of sharing plant names with us, we don't get this one. Also, uh, the bridge has a lot of really unpleasant sculptures on it, just if you weren't feeling welcome yet. But. Frodo actually does feel welcomed by this or, you know, overcome and zombified by outside forces and finding himself starting to lurch right down the road toward Minas Morgul. Proper zombie uh, shamble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frodo's only barely held back by Sam and Sam and Gollum are both yelling at Frodo. And there's a little moment where Sam's like, for once, I agree with Gollum. Like, No, that way is very bad. Yeah. When Sam and Gollum agree. You know, it's going to be important. <laughs> like Some serious foreshadowing there. Maybe this is some bonding time. Mm -hmm. we've, we've hit our limit. <laughs> so um, Frodo does manage to turn away, but even then he feels the ring resisting him and trying to turn him back. But Gollum instead takes them through a gap in the stone wall that was running beside the road, which leads to a path. And thus commences the walking and the climbing in this chapter. Uh, everyone's favorite. <laughs> everyone's favorite. Uh, Gollum's eyes here are described as shining with a green-white light, reflecting the Morgul sheen, or at least making you know their own creepy glow in response to the creepy Morgul glow. Uh, it's definitely not at all ominous. Gollum's fine. It's cute, you know, like a cat. Yeah, totally fine. Um, no, actually, it's it's juxtaposed really interestingly with a different scene we have with Gollum that we can get to. We will get to later. But Gollum starts to kind of look evil at this moment. Mm -hmm. So at last, Frodo has to stop once they've come to the top of a section of rock. Uh, Frodo actually speaks aloud about how heavy the ring is on him, which I found interesting. He's pretty open about it. But yeah. Gollum is very, very not okay with resting here. This is a bad spot. Do not stop. Do not pass go or collect $200. <laughs> and... They're visible from the bridge here, and that's, you know, definitely not good. Uh, and Frodo does start to drag himself up to continue on, but first, uh, the ground rumbles and shakes, and suddenly a red flash erupts in the east, aka within Mordor, and in response comes a flare of blue lightning from Minas Morgul, paired with a terrible screech, and you can hear the, the music start to crescendo, and okay, dun, maybe dun, just dun. in my head, but <laughs> um, the hobbits throw themselves down in response to the screech, uh, and when they're finally able to look up again, they see an army marching out of Minas Morgul, and at the head of the army is none other than our favorite stabby boy. <clears throat> stabby boy. Stabby boy. Stabby creature. Not sure if they have gender anymore. Outcomes uh, at their head was one greater than all the rest. A rider, all black, save that on his hooded head he had a helm like a crown that flickered with a perilous light. Now he was drawing near the bridge below, and Frodo's staring eyes followed him, unable to wink or to withdraw. Surely there was the Lord of the Nine Riders returned to Earth to lead his ghastly host to battle. 
Here, yes, here indeed was the haggard king whose cold hand had smitten down the ring bearer with his deadly knife. The old wound throbbed with pain and a great chill spread toward Frodo's heart. Fun times. Yeah, it's a very dramatic introduction. It is. But then it is Frodo and drama is his middle name. That is fair. Um, but yeah, so this is you know the witch king who stabbed Frodo and Frodo feels the pain and as he is overcome by the memory and the physical sensation of the stab wound, uh, the rider halts suddenly, sensing some sort of disturbance, and begins to look about for the source. Uh, Frodo, at this point, feels that external command to put on the ring, but uh, mentally he feels no inclination to give in. Uh, At this point, he's consciously able to know that the ring would betray him. Uh, But also we have another little ominous bit about Frodo thinking how he knows he doesn't have the power to face the Morgul king yet. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah. Or is that bit of, you know, we've kind of followed uh, the times when he, like, uh, exerted his command over Gollum and how significant Mm -hmm. they were as beginning to, you know, have that, what Galadriel said about him needing to have the inner ability to, you know, overpower others. Um we have, yeah, just a little bit of that, like, kind of knowing that he could go there. I don't think Frodo ever would actually be able to overpower him, uh, mm-hmm. the Witch King, but I like that he thinks he could. Mm-hmm. You know, he thinks he could control the ring to that point if he had it long enough. And what's more interesting is that he just had the thought. Right. Exactly. The the fact that it's phrased that way mm-hmm. uh, seemed very significant. Yeah, it's really creepy. <laughs> just a bit. but. Despite Frodo's mind trying to resist. So despite Frodo's brain uh, telling him not to put on the ring, his body has other plans and his hand starts moving toward the ring on the chain around his neck. Uh, But at the last minute, Frodo is able to exert his will and reach instead for something else. The file that Galadriel had given him carrying the light of Arendelle. And this gives him the strength to resist and also turns aside the attention of the rider. Uh, also, you know, the writer has other places to be, people to conquer, et cetera, et cetera. Dark lords to obey. Yep. Lots to do. <laughs> Gotta pick up some uh, milk on the way home. <laughs> so, yeah, off goes the army, which is noted for uh, being, you know, one of the greatest hosts in forever to emerge from the dark land and all that. Uh, and yet it's also pointed out that it's not even the greatest one Mordor has. So you know, doom. Yeah, this is like the army of Mordor that exists outside of Mordor. Mm -hmm. So there's more to come from inside of Mordor. Yeah, and that makes this one look small. (laughs) Which, ouch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So seeing this, you know, terrifying army, Frodo thinks of Faramir and, you know, seeing this army coming for him and for the rest of the world... Uh, Frodo begins to feel that he's too late in his task and all is lost and he begins to cry. But after a while, uh, Sam stirs him from his grief and tells Frodo to wake up. The armies are gone and that they need to get gone too. And Frodo is able to go on because he remembers that, you know, he needs to go do this task even if, you know, no one ever knows about it or if everyone is dead and no one is left to know what he did. Even if it's too late, it still has to be done. Poor Frodo. Yeah. It's a pretty thankless task. <laughs> well, it Until has the it's potential over. to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. 
And it's hard knowing, you know, it's important, but seeing the armies and everything and like, not that I think Frodo thinks he could really, you know, make a change in the battle, but like he basically has to ignore all of the everything else that's going on just to do this. And the fact that all of his friends might be dead and... Mm -hmm. I mean, he thinks specifically about Faramir because he just met Faramir, but But he he also thinks about Aragorn, his long-lost love. Mm -hmm. And Elrond, who's just (laughs) mentioned. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, But Frodo clutches the light tight against his heart and walks onward. They go over a narrow ledge and come to the first stair. Uh, This one is basically a ladder and there's lots of climbing. Uh, And then when they get to the top of that stair, Gollum tells them there's another one, much longer, and they'll finally rest when they get to the top of that one. (laughs) Uh, This is the point at which I was like, I I would be Sam. I would just strangle Gollum when he said that. (laughs) Anyway, Gollum has names for these. Uh, The previous stair was the straight stair, and next is the winding stair. Um, So it's longer, but it's basically a switchback. And, uh... Going to have a, an aside here for a second, because I, this summer I went hiking in the Chartreuse Mountains, um, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful, but I basically climbed two mountains, and one of which was basically long, but just a steady incline, and the other was basically like climbing up to the top of a waterfall, and I wanted to die. <laughs> yes, switchbacks are the fucking worst, because you're... Going up, probably pretty steep, because that's why they needed to be switchbacks, but you're not making much headway, because you're just doing the same thing over and over again, and you, and if there's, sometimes it's very hot, and there's very bugs, and maybe I'm thinking of a specific situation in my life, <laughs> but oh my god, it was the goddamn worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I very much feel for them, especially with Gollum just being like, hey, we'll rest after that one. No. He's not the most motivational tour guide. <laughs> no. Well, we have already discussed what a shitty tour guide he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One out of ten. He got us there, but it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they they do climb a whole bunch more until they see a cleft in the mountains above them with a tower placed above the pass. Uh, Sam, at this point, calls out Gollum for not telling them that the secret path was guarded after all. Uh, Gollum's argument in his defense is that of course, always into Mordor are watched, but this one is less watched. <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm on Gollum's side here. Like, this isn't the Black Gate. It's not a huge-ass gate with two towers and, like, trolls and armies coming in and out. Like, it, it is indeed much less watched, and here you have a chance to survive. Mm-hmm. It's a, so you it's know a, what, Sam? Shut up. <laughs> it's fair, but also, you know, could have said something a little bit more. Well, you know... He could have said something about the giant spider that wants to eat them. And uh, he didn't. Touche. <laughs> no, the, the giant mystery beast in right, the tunnel. I'm That's so true. sorry. Mm-hmm. The mystery Who's beast named in spider. the tunnel. Yep. The mystery beast in the spider tunnel. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, at this point, though, they do, they rest. Um, and the hobbits get to have uh, what they basically consider their last meal. It's their little, their little last supper. I enjoy this idea that, like, even if they make it in, like they think the the mountain's going to be right there. They're just they're going to be in, and then they're going to be able to destroy the ring. Yeah, they they're have, like we're doing it tomorrow, everyone. No it's concept good. of geography. Yeah, or is it that there's no maps? Yeah, they also partly are like it's our last meal before going into Mordor. Um, That's true. So it's a bit of a threshold last meal, but still, 
but yeah, so they sit around and now uh, decide to give a little chat about heroes and the stories. Very meta. It's, it's I mean, it's it's one hundred percent meta. This is this is it. This is the talking peak to meta. the reader. So yeah, Sam gives his you know own swelling, beautiful music, Shire theme speech, um, all about stories and the the heroes in them. And he talks about right. Um, the brave things in the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo. Adventures, as I used to call them. I used to think that they were things the wonderful folk of the stories went out and looked for because they wanted them, because they were exciting and life was a bit dull, a kind of sport, as you might say. But that's not the way of it with the tales that really mattered, or the ones that stay in the mind. Folks seem to have been just landed in them, usually. Their paths were laid that way, as you put it. But I, but I expect they had lots of chances, like us, of turning back. Only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know, because they'd have been forgotten. I don't remember when I wanted to stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> the whole bit um, is very good. Yeah. And you guys say very meta, but it's also very Tolkien, mm-hmm. you know, who was like a scholar of the classics and, and you know, thought that what made a good story was that it got told over and over and over again and evolved and, you know, became something different. Which is why I hold to the idea that he would not be upset at the movies, but let's not talk about that. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, in the end, uh, Sam's key question is, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. Um, and uh, Frodo points out, you know, he's like, I don't know, but he points out that even in these stories, the the characters didn't know what kind of story they were in as they were living it. They didn't know if it was one with a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And at this point, uh, Sam brings up Baron as an example and how he didn't think he'd managed to get the Silmaril from Morgoth and Thingorodrim. We got those nice name drops and I was like, I know these places. <laughs> but I mean, Baron didn't. Luthien got, got it. Baron did very little. Luthien <laughs> did fucking everything. Right. I just want to throw that out there. And Luthien knew she'd do that shit because, you know. She was awesome. But I, mean, I mean, I guess Baron got his hand cut off, and he also fucked up everything when he tried to take more than one Silmaril. <laughs> uh, bitten off. But that so wasn't sorry. even until later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but Baron did get the Silmaril back, <clears throat> Luthien, even though, you know, Thangorodrim was a more terrifying place than, you know, the place the hobbits find themselves now when going into Mordor. It was, you know, evil stronghold number one not evil stronghold number two (laughs) (laughs) the place where sauron got grounded where sauron got grounded too (laughs) by his dad (laughs) uh sam also points out that even baron's story goes on uh and i loved how he put this past the happiness and into grief and beyond it which is just sort of a really nice way of it is putting it especially because you know that you know baron like died and came back so beyond it is very very fitting that's very beyond um but then sam points out uh that then the silmaril came to arendelle at which point sam realizes you know exactly what's in the file from galadriel which depending Mm -hmm. on how you want to put it it's you know literally arendelle's body (laughs) it's light from the silmaril (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is light from the trees. Yes. So it's holy light. But yeah, so it's it's literally the light of that same Silmaril. And in a way, they are continuing on that same story 
which, I mean, given that we've been reading that same story, <laughs> yes, that's about it. <laughs> I really liked that bit of how Sam was like, wait, that's that's what's in your, your file. We're in that story. We're a part of it all. And he, I don't know, I, that, that was just a really good bit mm-hmm. when Sam came to that realization. Then both of them were jokingly asking, quote unquote, dad for another story, um. <laughs> which was really sad because Frodo's very much an orphan but yeah um so yeah in this sam sam wonders if the tales ever end uh, and frodo replies that no but their part in this one will end one way or another uh, sam is mostly excited to just get some sleep eventually mm-hmm. uh, but he does wonder if they'll ever be put into stories or songs and this is where yeah they have the really cute back and forth the uh, mock talking like kids asking their dad to Tell them about Frodo and Sam, and each mm-hmm. is trying to hype up the other one. It's it, it's really cute. It's so cute. Like, just a little moment of friendship and not misery in this miserable place. But I also liked that it kind of matched with the whole idea of Tolkien telling this story and, and these stories to his kids, right? Yeah. That's how he started it's doing like it. So I picture him reading this to some of his kids and doing this like, no, dad, tell me more about. (laughs) This is like 20 years later, so they're not kids anymore. He had a lot of kids, right? Three, four. Let's look it up. There's at least two boys and one girl. Yeah, because I remember reading the um, letters from Father Christmas and how like some of them were all grown up when others were younger. So I don't know exactly, but. Right. Okay. But even so, it, yeah, even if he's just being nostalgic about it. Um, yeah. And he it probably had grandkids nice... at some point. That's true. Uh, he definitely did. But it would st- and it would still be like a nice, even if the kids are adults now reading it, like a nice um, shout out, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, yeah. to them. Yeah, it's very insider. Mm-hmm. My favorite bit was when Sam says that he really just wants some sleep or he's, he's eager for the opportunity to sleep. And like English <laughs> professor Tolkien then specifies, and I just mean regular sleep. That's not a metaphor. I don't want to die. I just want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I also found that highly relatable for most yeah. of my adult life. I just want to sleep. Yeah. I am Sam. Um. <laughs> Except lazier than Sam. Sam's too industrious. Never mind. I take it back. Sam just wants to sleep and then wake up and garden. I know. He works not, harder than I do. Yeah. That's not a desire I've ever had. Yeah. Just to sleep. Although I feel like during the summer, we did hear a lot about Emmy's plants. So I guess you you are Sam. <laughs> they are indoor plants. I am firmly an indoor animal. But yes, I do have a lot of plants. <laughs> so you get to be Sam. Okay. Sam Wise. The brave. Aww. The stout-hearted. Yes, Sam Wise the stout-hearted. But yeah, Sam, Sam actually even wonders what role Gollum will end up playing in the end in this story. Uh, if he'll be the hero or the villain. Uh, he calls out to Gollum to ask him which he'd prefer to be. Uh, but Gollum is nowhere to be found. I really want to know how Gollum would have answered that question. It's things like this that make me think Sam and Gollum could have been really good friends under different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. They'd be those friends that just like needle each other back and forth. And Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Sam isn't very happy with Gollum not being around, especially, you know, since the tower is right there and he's worrying if Gollum went up to warn the orcs that they're coming. Uh, Frodo doesn't think this is the case, but rather that Gollum's up to one of his little schemes, which sounds so much better, right? (laughs) They talk a bit about the 
two sides to Gollum, as Sam calls Slinker and Stinker, uh, and how even Smee Gollum probably doesn't know quite yet what he's going to do. Uh, he wants the ring for himself, but he definitely doesn't want it to go to the enemy, and sort of those two desires are still warring in him. Uh, Sam tells Frodo to sleep a bit while they wait. Uh, Frodo lays his head in Sam's lap and sleeps, and Sam eventually falls asleep too. So they just have a little cuddle here on the side of a mountain at the edge of <laughs> Mordor. I'm so relaxing. And before that, Sam has a very intense speech about, it's like, don't worry, my arms will be around you. Everything will be fine. Like, it's... My immediate thought no is they're just going to gonna fall it. off together. But it's the gayest shit. <laughs> He's basically saying... They're spooning. Yes, they're spooning. And I don't understand. Maybe things were different back then but like how you could write that and interpret it as anything other than sam is very in love with frodo i don't know especially I don't know. after he literally said i'm very in love with frodo <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but they yeah they have a nice cuddle uh and uh while they're both asleep Gollum does come back uh and he has another of the uh literal slash metaphorical transformation moments in the book mm -hmm. um while he's looking at the sleeping hobbits, his eyes go dim, gray, and tired. And for a moment, he looks almost like a very old hobbit. He reaches out to Frodo and touches him on the knee and makes Frodo stir. Uh, and at this, Sam jerks awake and is very startled to see Gollum touching Frodo. Uh, he, of course, jumps to conclusions and asks where Gollum was sneaking. Uh, and Gollum you know, goes right back into looking like a spider-like green glinting golem. Uh, and he has himself a goodly rant. <laughs> but yeah, it was very much the, we had the creepy eyes earlier and we had this like hint of what he was and what he could have been. Yeah, I like that bit because it, it happened, you know, when he was looking at, at Frodo and Sam and I presume, you know, remembering his own very good friend. Mm -hmm. And it so I... I don't know. I, I don't think I have anything else to say about that other than I liked it and I mm -hmm. liked how it how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. It just we, we hear him talking back and forth to himself. But there's also kind of a, a moment of physical transformation for the two sides. But yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's time to get back to walking some more. Uh, so Sam wakes up Frodo. So much. <laughs> uh, Frodo asks if Gollum's had anything to eat and Gollum gets all snarky about no, he hasn't. He's a sneak. Uh, Frodo tells Gollum not to call himself names, uh, to which Gollum says it's the name Sam gave him. Uh, and everyone's just getting petty now, but uh, Frodo diffuses it at least a little bit. Uh, he asks Gollum if they're at the point in their journey where they no longer need to travel together. Uh, if at this point the hobbits can find the way themselves, uh, since they can see the pass, uh, then Gollum is free to go back and get himself food and rest. But... Gollum says, no, not yet. <laughs> and I'm sorry, everyone, for having to end our episode on this. Oh, no, indeed. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> I don't have it right now. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> I haven't been practicing. <laughs> Shit. <Wow. laughs> After all you're my goodness, I've You're fallen. trying so hard. Oh, no, indeed. There's the tunnel coming. Smeagol must go on. No rest. No food. Not yet. There we go. Bravo. That was better than anything I could do. 
Um, I'd gotten so spoiled by being <laughs> sick that now that my voice is is like back, I was like, oh no, I can't do this anymore. Well, maybe you'll, you know, you do it enough, you'll lose your voice again. So you just got to keep going. Yeah, because that's, that's the it. aspiration. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. Using your you voice can be Gollum forever. I, I can smoke a few packs of cigarettes. Smoke I mean, one pack all at the yourself. same time. Just, just lose your voice. It's all right. Uh, there's going to be, I'm sure, some very, very good outtakes that will get posted to Patreon of our failed attempts before we get the Gollum voice going. I don't know if I kept anything. I think, or like kept back anything. I think I just put it all in. Oh gosh. Well, sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if I cut it out, it was mostly because we, instead of doing the voice, it was just five minutes of us laughing. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's really only entertaining if it's us. Yeah, my yeah, throat that, totally hurts that, now. <laughs> yeah, because that's what it is. It's us trying the voice. Failing epically and then laughing at each other for five minutes. Yep. That sounds, yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. That sounds like what it was. That's That's been our life for the past couple months now. Um, but yeah, no, that's the the chapter did take an opportunity to end on a, another, you know, nice ominous note. <laughs> no rest, no food. Not yet. You Who's going to be the food? We don't know. That, that's very uh, echoey of, of um, Frodo's not yet. Mm-hmm. Something about not yet is just always ominous. Also, my throat hurts in sympathy. I have the sympathy <laughs> pain in my throat. And I did nothing. I'm very sorry for your pain. Thank you. All right. Um, did anyone have any favorite bits? Want to attempt a column voice and destroy <laughs> your throat? I mean, my favorite bit is really, I like when Frodo says not yet because it's creepy. And I do like when Sam brings up Baron. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how, oh, wait, we're part of that story, too. That's crazy. Yeah, I love storytelling. I love that whole meta section, even though while you're reading it, you're like, oh, you're just talking to me, the reader. It's yeah, good theme. It is, uh, it's like realizing it's such a very different vibe when you know, you've gotten to read the Silmarillion and we haven't even read the whole, you know, Baron and Luthien book. Uh, but that, you know, Tolkien had written these stories, but most of the world hadn't read them at this point. Um, That's true. They'd mostly just heard about Baron from Aragorn. And they may have even forgotten that by now, unless they, you know, reread the first book before, although it was only a couple months, but still, they might. it was such a brief mention, they might have forgotten it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like my usual getting to this part, I mean, I don't remember it distinctly, but I'm sure I was like, who the hell is a Morgoth or a... Thangoradrim, and what's a Silmaril? Yeah. So it is nice to, it's nice knowing all these things. Right. You know exactly how- I feel so cool knowing all these things. Yeah. You feel cool and you know exactly where they fit in with this continuing story. Mm -hmm. Also remembering again that Arendil is Elrond's dad. Yeah, right, which yeah, makes they never really bring that up. No, and it, when you, for some reason, the light of Arendil, you know, I'm always thinking is so distant past- and then it's like, oh, yeah, Elrond's dad. And you're like, hang on, Elrond is still alive and very much involved in things. So while it was a long time ago, it really wasn't in the, the scheme of Arda and how long people live. It's just weird. Yeah, It's like how, like, it weirds me out that both Arwen and Aragorn are, you know, descendants of Baron and Luthien. But, like, one of them is, like, five generations down, something like that. And one <laughs> of them is, like, thousands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not maybe. I mean, I don't know how many years have passed because 
well, thousands upon thousands of years have passed. Because, like, the second age, or sorry, the fifth age, we're in, like, it's been, like, 3,000 years, hasn't it, since the end of the second age? Almost 4,000? It's been a very long time. Which, again, is and, just the scale of the absurdity of, like, the elves versus everyone yeah. else. And then, I know the second age was relatively short. Like, I think it was only 2,000 years or something like that. I don't know these numbers off the top of my head. But I know... I'm just thinking, like, thousands seems like too many. I don't know oh, why. Oh, thousands I... of generations. That was, yeah, that was hyperbole. It's, okay. pro- it's hundreds. Yeah. I'm just sitting here. I'm like, aren't we something like 75 generations away from like one AD? Yeah. No, I was, I, I, that was some hyperbole there. It would be more like hundreds of generations. Yeah. Well, and especially Dunedain generations. That's true. Subtract even more. Well, they didn't get their long lives until, until Numenor. Anyway. Numen- Numenor was pretty. They was would pretty... still have them in the generational backlog. No, yeah, that's true, because Numenor was right at the end of the first stage, so right after Baron and Luthien, so... Anyway. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I fixated on the details that no one cares about. Oh, well, that's why we have a podcast. The details no one cares about. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, also, the second age was 3,441 years of the sun. See? Right, the I details I live for. Well, how long is the third age? 3,021 like- years of the sun. Oh, I don't know what the heck I was thinking about. Let's see. The fourth age is length uncertain. Yeah, mm. we, we never see the end of it. We only see the beginning. I presume it ends when they defeat Tom Bombadil and <laughs> bring about the end of the ultimate Dark Lord. Right. We're finishing up the third age. Um. So let's see. At what point was... Just for, cur- for entertainment's sake, Arwen was born in the year 241 of the third age. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, you know, old 2,500 old as balls. <laughs> um, yes. and we can go back to mm, somewhere in here. Does there's Numenor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It was just funny. We're all like waiting with bated breath. There are a lot of names. Where the fuck is Baron? Oh, there's control t- F. Turn. Okay. Baron, that would have been much starter. Okay. <laughs> Baron Baron uh sets on a quest of the Silmaril um in four sixty five in the first age. Jesus. All right, I was wrong. It is like a thousand of thousand generations. I don't so I, many I still years don't think have it passed. Is. Because if if uh, so the first the second age was what, thirty five hundred years ish. And so is the third age. Mm-hmm. So that's seven thousand years. Yep. Okay. And if 2,000 years and, in our world is about 75 generations. So then it, it would be hundreds. Yeah. Okay. So it would be like about 300 Maybe a thousand. Maybe, depending on how unfortunately short their lives were. Yeah. I was just going to do like, go for like 50, right? There no, I go. think it would be about 300. Oh, no, no, like at age 50 that they have they died. kids. Oh, I see. Oh, that they have kids. All right. I was thinking way more depressing. <laughs> Age fifty no, when they, they die. No, because they live to be like you know a few hundred years old. But that's fair. I also that's fair. don't think they were waiting too long. I mean, we could average it at like seventy-five. If they all gave birth at seventy-five, that would be ninety-three generations in three or seven thousand years. I was gonna say that's that seems like waiting a long time, but I guess actually Aragorn's in his eighties when he has kids. So anyway, <laughs> glad we've had this talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the point is, it's been yeah like a hundred generations for um. Between Aragorn, Aragorn and like f- four for Arwen. Yeah. Time is weird. Time is a construct. I mean, at one point it literally was because time was the trees. And they constructed them. 
<laughs> and I on that note, <laughs> the, sa- the same person constructed the sun and the moon. So, well, the same being. On that note, <laughs> so you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. There's fun things on there like outtakes and interviews and more. And there will be more later. If you want to support us elsewhere, you can please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can tweet at us at toreadtolkien. You can email us at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. You can follow us on our very slow Instagram at instagram.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. Shade. Self-shade. on myself. Self-burn. Yeah, it's me. It's me that always forgets to change my <laughs> username when I change your users when I sign into Instagram. Anyways, that is it. Please join us next time for book four, chapter nine, Shelob's Lair. I wonder Shelob. who or what Shelob could be. Perhaps the monster that lives in the spider tunnel. Hmm. That seems hmm. unlikely. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.